It's time for the roundtable here on the Rural Radio Network on a Friday. I'm Scott Foster, joined with Jason Jorgensen, Susan Littlefield, and maybe Bob Rogan will show up with us, too. He's The economy is so good right now that he's just <laughs> very, very busy. So we're going to talk about what we have coming up for you here on Midday. And uh, Susan Littlefield is going through the big D, and she does mean Dallas. How are Dallas. things going there? Wow, that was a good Thank segue. I've been, been working on it all morning. So, uh, oh, good, good, uh, good deal. <laughs> you know, it's uh, the World Meat Congress has been taking place. It's going to have a big event um, coming up tonight. Right now, they're in meetings, learning more about some of the uh, norms. Uh, talking, of course, society and the implications on on the beef industry. Over seven hundred are in attendance, so it's been a great event, and we've got a lot more stories headed the way for our listeners over the next couple of days. So many, I can't fit them in all in one day because you at the board would be going stop. Susan, please. So <laughs> we always like new information. There is a lot of great information coming that way. So stick around for more of that. Speaking of information, it is going to be hot this weekend. We're going to get more updates on what's happening on the weather as we move into obviously coming out of the weekend. Al Dutcher will be joining Shaley Peters. That's going to come up at uh, twelve nineteen, and then at twelve forty-five, we're going to hear from Dan Duncan, Executive Director of Nebraska Innovation Campus, as he talks about a new South Korean company on the campus and providing an update to what's been happening with the building there, and then we're going to head to the western part of Nebraska for our Fridays in the field and Shabella Guzman will bring us up to date on how crops are looking out in her neck of the woods. So another busy day for everybody in the Ag Department. All right, thank you so much. Safe travels to you, Susan. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys all on Monday. All right. Jason, the NBA Finals has two teams playing for the fourth time and I guess they needed to create a little bit of interest and they had did so last night. They had a great game one last night. If the best of the series is as good as game one was, they'll have themselves a series. Yeah. Of course, all of the talk today is the great game that LeBron James had last night, but it wasn't enough and then yeah. his teammates let him down uh, down the stretch. Also, there was a reversed call and I'm sorry. I don't care what league of basketball you're playing in. That was a block. <laughs> if you're <laughs> moving to the left and the offensive player comes to, I don't care yep. if you're in front of the restricted area or not. No, you've got to be set. And he wasn't. So, so there you go. I'm sure there are folks out there who would disagree with me on that, but that's just one man's opinion. Yeah. Also coming up in sports, we will preview the Shrine Bowl, the 60th annual Shrine Bowl. You and I will have the call yes, of that sir. tomorrow along the Rural Radio Network, so we're certainly looking forward to that. And 60th anniversary wow. for the Shrine Bowl. It's hard to believe. Think of all of the players that have gone through that in the state of Nebraska. It's amazing. little more Husker flavor than what we've had in the past as 10 walk-ons who are headed to Nebraska will be involved in that game. Also, we talked a lot yesterday about the TV schedule coming out for Nebraska football. Well, K-State knows when they will have their first game coming up in the fall and where that will be located. So we'll touch on all of that a whole lot more coming up in sports. Nice to have those plans for mm-hmm. sure. Bob Brogan, economy, looking pretty good right now. Stocks are climbing following a strong jobs report, and uh, so folks are kind of patting each other on the back on that. Kudlow says that trade dispute is just a family quarrel. Uh, the jobs report is kind of driving everything today, um, and so they're saying it was a pretty solid report. We'll have details on that, and also the price of a lunch with Warren Buffett could climb over $3 million. It's kind of a wait and see. That's KRV and newsroom kind of money right there. Yes.
Who <laughs> pays right. the tip? There, there we go. We get things ready for midday. Let's turn it over to the newsroom. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. The grains trade lower as we talk with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, there has to be some factors here uh, shaping this wheat market, why it's so low. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing that set the tone, obviously, other than the fact that we're on the brink of this trade war, potentially with the Europeans and NAFTA countries, and also Wilbur Ross, our uh, Treasury, excuse me, our Commerce Secretary, is heading over to China on Saturday. That is so up in the air. I don't think it really wants to generate any new longs wanting to take a chance on this market going into the weekend, Dewey, for two big reasons. One, the the really poor weekly export sales in the wheat and in the soybeans especially. Even the meal export sales were down 41% from the four-week average. And then number two, you've got this divergence again in the weather models. Extremely wet for the next five days for the GFS model, the American model for the central part of the Corn Belt and parts of the dry western Corn Belt. European model says, no, we're not going to get hardly anything. So I think this just has a risk-off trading mindset when it comes to the grains. Uh, hogs, though, feeling a lot better. Sometimes this happens on uh, another day other than the first trading day of a month. Usually there's some new money in, right? Yes, there is. And I think this is why um, you're getting a situation where uh, if you don't have confirmed weather problems, confirmed supply problems uh, between the fact that the weekly export sales for wheat were down 74% against the four-week average, they're actually a minus sign um, in the soybean export sales while they were up 31% from the four-week average. And soybeans are getting some real support out of the equities markets, I think, where the risk on trade is. I think this trade issue is, is bringing back more of a deflationary mindset, stronger dollar uh, weaker crude oil, and, and that kind of translates into the grains as well. Will we be setting ourselves up for more volatility come Sunday night? Oh, I think it will be that way, Dewey, especially given the fact that we are at almost 80% good to excellent corn conditions, and I think there's a pretty large swath of the corn belt that has not gotten the rains that are needed to justify that number being that high. So I think that the Saturday-Sunday rains are going to be extremely valuable property uh, when it comes to what the trade expects come Monday when we get to the crop conditions and you know i think one one other thing has to be pointed out I, it, for due diligence sake is we've got the wheat leader to the downside right now wheat needs to be the leader to the upside especially given the drier weather belt we've talked fundamentals before so let's ask you about long-term fundamentals are they starting to improve i would say they were i the jobs report today the unemployment numbers some of the inflation data that came out this week some of the purchasing managers' numbers that came out of China this week uh, very strong and suggest that we have an inflationary bias going forward that we build upon since the end of 2017. But everything hangs in the balance with the trade issues and whether we go into increased protectionism. Agriculture, unfortunately, is in the crosshairs of this. And cattle futures today are a little lower, but we did have cash cattle trade yesterday. Yeah, you know, I think the market is stable as long as we don't get any fresh news. I noticed the pork cutouts were very mixed. Uh, we had a big drop in the butt prices because of the Mexican tariffs, but we had the uh, other loins jump, and I think that's really helped the hogs today and support the cattle. Thanks, Mike. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Go to globalanalytics.biz. This is the Rural Radio Network. 
11.44, time for our regional ag weather. Paul Perkins has moseyed on into the uh, studio here. And I was watching the Weather Channel, and, and they were showing their famous Torcon uh-huh. in tornado condition. Is We're at a four today. Yep, exactly. Especially in central and east Nebraska, uh, that enhanced risk of severe storms for today. It's already warming up quite a bit across the area. We have temperatures mostly in the low and mid-80s, at least in the west and central. Then as you head into eastern Nebraska and Kansas, already some upper 80s to around 90, including 91 towards Omaha. The humidity, actually the highest over southwest Nebraska, North Platte, Lexington, and McCook with dew points right now in the low 70s. Anytime it gets above 65, it starts to feel humid on those dew points. So we're definitely getting a taste of some hot and humid weather across the area. When you go outside, it just sort of feels like one of those days that there's going to be a storm, doesn't it? Exactly, and that definitely is the potential for today. We do have uh, warmer temperatures today and, of course, a lot more humidity as some south winds increase ahead of a developing area of low pressure off to our west. Thunderstorms are likely to develop late in the afternoon into the evening with that low and a cold front that track to the east. Severe storms possible in central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas. There is that higher or enhanced risk of severe storms along and east of a line from Broken Bow to Kearney and Beatrice. But once again, all of central Nebraska and Kansas and eastern Nebraska and Kansas seeing the potential today of some severe weather. But it looks like that higher risk, once again, along and east of a line from Broken Bow to Kearney and Beatrice. The primary threat is going to be hail up to 2 inches, wind gust of 70 or higher. Also, maybe an isolated tornado. Locally, heavy rain could also fall. Thunderstorms expected to end from west to east late tonight. Then tomorrow, it's going to be breezy and much cooler as some high pressure pushes in and clears out the skies. Temperatures over the weekend and Monday actually seasonal. Seems like over the last several weekends, it's either been much cooler than normal or much warmer than normal. And this weekend, we're actually going to see one right in the middle and get to enjoy some early June weather. Scattered thunderstorms are possible Sunday night into Monday with the week disturbance. In case you are headed to the Shrine game tomorrow at UNK, of course, that game right here on 880 KRVM. I'll be there. Yeah, Mr. Scott Foster and Jason Jorgensen on the call. Kickoff at 2 o'clock. It will be a bit on the breezy side. Some northwest winds, 16 gusty to 26. Temperatures warming from the mid-70s to possibly as warm as 77. Actually, a good day for football tomorrow, uh, especially with less humidity. Now, Tuesday and Wednesday expected to be drier and warmer as the ridge of high pressure moves overhead. Some thunderstorms are possible by Wednesday afternoon and a Thursday with the cold front, but it's not looking too promising if you look at the data in the long-term forecast. In our long-term forecast, a high likelihood of warmer than normal temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas and also the western two-thirds of the U.S. Wednesday through June 14th. If we don't see some rain tonight, it may be a bit hard to come by down the road. Nebraska and Kansas forecast to see below normal rainfall Wednesday through the 14th. In central Nebraska, that last week of May went down as the warmest on record. On average, the month as a whole ended up as about one of the top five warmest Mays on record. That's after we had the second coldest April on record. In the markets, weather factors include cooler temperatures for a few days in the Midwest, but a return to hot and dry weather next week and stressful heat in the southern plains. A strong cold front currently over the northern Rockies and northern plains will track to the east and produce some locally heavy rain and thunderstorms from Montana and the Dakotas into the Corn Belt. Behind that front, cooler air will provide a brief break from the heat. Hot weather, though, expected to return by early next week. Dryness across the Midwest continuing to be a concern for crop areas of the southwest Midwest. A short break from the heat will help 
before another surge of hot weather moves into the west and south midwest and decreases those chances for rain. In the southern plains, the episodes of heat and dry weather in the next 10 days will again increase the stress to winter wheat and early developing crops. After thunderstorms track through the northeast part of the southern plains tonight, there may be there may not be another chance of significant rain over the next 7 to 10 days as a high-pressure ridge expands to the north. Internationally, some rain recently helped improve soil moisture for planting in western Australia's winter wheat belt after an extended dry season. More rain, though, is needed, and those chances for them seeing significant rain this week ahead appear limited. I don't think of Western Australia as, as grown winter wheat. <laughs> but they do. I guess they do. Yeah. Well, people need to keep an eye on the weather today. Of course, they can do that by listening here to 880KRVN. They can also go online at krvn.com. Thanks so much, Paul. This midday ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. It's a first day of the month. Normally, you have fun money coming into the market. That's not the case today as we're under pressure, led by hard red winter wheat futures at this time. July corn, 391 and a quarter, down two and three quarters. September, four dollars and a quarter cent, down three. December, 411 and a half, down two and a quarter. July soybeans, 1017 and a half, down one. August, 1022 and a half, down three quarters. September, 1026 and a half, down three quarters. November, 1033 and three quarters, down a half. Chicago, July wheat, 523 and three quarters. September, 540 and a half, both down two and a half. Kansas City, July, 537 and a half, down five. September, 556, down four and three quarters. Minneapolis, July wheat, 605 and a half, down six and a half. September, 613 and three quarters, down six. We're also lower in cattle futures. June live cattle, 104.97, down seven. August, 103.47, down 47. October, 106.30, down 75. And December's down 77 at 111 even. August feeder cattle trading 146.80, down 60. September, 147.02, down 27. October, 146.80, down 20. And November, 146.87, down 35. Lean hog trade mixed. The front months are higher. June, 77.37, that's up 75. July hog, 78.40, up 35. August, 77.57, up 55. Wall Street, the Dow's up 244 at 24,660. The Nasdaq up 113 at 7,555. S&P 500 up 30 at 2,736. Every season, you try to raise the bar to achieve your best corn yield ever. But disease can stand in the way, like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, anthracnose leaf blight, and southern rust. New Delaro fungicide can stop them. Two different modes of action work on the diseases for the entire spray interval, delivering best-in-class dual-mode-of-action residual efficacy for extended performance. It's the help you need for personal best yields. Keep raising the bar with Delaro from Bayer. Always read and follow label instructions. In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, producers need accurate market information they can trust. Our program, The Fontenelle Final Bell, gives you a chance to ask the experts your marketing questions. I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for The Fontenelle Final Bell podcast each trading day as we dig deeper into the factors shaping the day's market activity. Tweet your questions to RRN Markets and catch The Fontenelle Final Bell podcast updated each weekday afternoon at ruralradio.com. You can also search Rural Radio on iTunes and tune in. Oh, mm-hmm.
partners respond quickly after White House implements steel and aluminum tariffs. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network as we take a look at your midday ag news. Trading partners on Thursday took out their anger at the United States by targeting U.S. agricultural products after the Trump administration announced it was moving ahead with tariffs on imports of steel and aluminum. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross announced the 25% tariff on steel imports and 10% tariff on aluminum from Canada, Mexico, and the European Union while setting quota limits on other countries that export the metals to the U.S. The moves come one day after the Trump administration announced it was moving ahead with $50 billion in tariffs against Chinese imports as well. Mexico responded quickly, stating that steel and aluminum trade add to the competitiveness of North America in several industries and that Mexico is the main buyer of U.S. aluminum and second largest buyer of U.S. steel. With that, Mexico said it would impose equivalent measures against U.S. steel as well as agricultural products including pork legs and shoulders, sausages, apples, grapes, blueberries, and various cheeses. The European Union will go to the World Trade Organization but also invokes tariffs affecting about 3.5 billion in U.S. goods, which includes about $1 billion in agricultural products. Rice, cranberries, sweet corn, orange juice, kidney beans, peanut butter, tobacco, and whiskey are among the agricultural products the EU listed earlier this year as targets. The EU exports about $6 billion in steel and $1.2 billion in aluminum to the U.S., U.S. farm groups responded to the uncertainty that tariffs add to their markets. The National Pork Producers Council noted Mexico's retaliation response, which is critical given that Mexico imports $1.5 billion in U.S. pork, making it the largest U.S. pork market. Canada imports $792 million in U.S. pork as well. And MPPC said the retaliatory tariffs come as the pork industry is in expansion mode. And the fight for E15 blended fuels being sold year-round is continuing, and Nebraska leaders are getting involved. We hear more from Clay Patton. 55 public leaders recently signed a letter from Growth Energy pushing for E15 blended fuels to be sold year-round. 11 of the signers were from Nebraska and included Senator Kurt Friesen. I caught up with the senator while he hauled a load of corn to his local ethanol plant, and he believes that one major obstacle for E15 being sold year-round are outdated fuel standards. The RFS was created a number of years ago to to make sure that the oil companies blended um, ethanol into their fuel. And along with that, when the E15 was tested, they put into place a, the RVP, a three-vapor pressure rule. And so when the summer temperatures come up, they had to discontinue selling the E15 blend because it, it vaporized too much. But with you know the current tank technology that everyone is using, I just don't think that's a factor anymore. And, and to me, that rule could be taken away, and E15 could be available year-round. Senator Friesen urges producers to continue to keep the conversation on renewable fuels going with congressional members. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Clay Patton. And finally, on a day filled with breaking trade news, World Meat Congress attendees heard from U.S. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue and his counterparts from Canada and Argentina, along with leading experts in areas of trade policy and economic analysis. The 22nd World Meat Congress is being held in Dallas through today, hosted by the U.S. Meat Export Federation and the International Meat Secretariat. Purdue delivered Thursday keynotes address reminding the audience of millions of consumers who benefit from agricultural innovation, advancement, and trade. Find more on that story by visiting RuralRadio.com. That's a look at your midday ag news. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
It's time again this week to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Al, there's been some discussion around maybe seeing some activity as we head into the weekend. But what can we expect weather-wise for not only this weekend, but next week? I think that this weekend, we're most likely looking at a lot cooler temperatures than we've been accustomed to. The vast majority of these past two weeks as we have a sharp cold front moving southeastward from the northern plains. Expected to develop thunderstorms as we go into the late afternoon hours, probably initiating somewhere in north central to northwest Nebraska and then pivoting toward the southeast as that night progresses. Um, right now, the Severe Storms Prediction Center is indicating a, a fairly substantial risk of high winds and hail. This line forms. It looks like it may actually occur a few hours earlier than it was from yesterday's model runs. So we may actually see the activity pivot through east, central, and southeast Nebraska as we get into the midnight hours. And the concern at this point is... Uh, how many discrete cells during the formation of the initial thunderstorm outbreak will develop. Those are most likely the ones that will contain tornadic activity. And then as the line fills in, will we indeed see what we call a deratio event, which is basically a fancy name for a linear line of thunderstorms very strong in nature, rapidly moving toward uh, the east-southeast and containing winds that are pretty much in the 60-plus mile-an-hour range along the entire front. Um, the biggest question will be the amount of precipitation, and we desperately need to see continued precipitation south of Interstate 80. The drought monitor, this re- reflects the increasing dry trend, and I think the only thing that's been holding us back from really uh, making it a much more broad-based coverage across the central southeast and south-central Nebraska has been the delay that we had during April in planting. So we're still not at peak water use. So most of the crop is running in between about a quarter and a fifth of what we would typically expect at full evaporation rates. But that's going to change dramatically over the next couple of weeks as this crop rapidly grows, especially with these warmer temperatures. We have deficits in east central Nebraska in some locations running four to six inches over the last 90 days. So be welcome a couple inches of moisture to get things going on. But after that, we stay cool for the remainder of the weekend. And then we do have a, a little piece of energy moving around the base of the trough. And that may generate some thunderstorm activity, uh, particularly on Monday. Scattered as it is, it looks like the target area will be southwest, possibly south central Nebraska. And then most of the activity remains to our north as the ridge tries to build to the north. Now, the models have tempered some of that building of that heat dome from the southern plains to the north. So don't be surprised if we do actually build the heat a little bit quicker because the models are flipping back and forth. But it looks like the main storm track will then push to the north of us across the Dakotas with some evidence as we get toward next weekend that another piece of energy moving out of the northern, northwestern United States will try to move across the northern plains and once again push some cooler air into our region. But one of the things I've been noticing over the last couple of runs of models has been that the cold push kind of hangs off right around the central plains and doesn't push down into the southern plains. So no relief for them in terms of heat. I suspect that every time these cold pieces of energy move toward the east of us, we'll get right back into the heat from the southern plains. So this is going to be a very challenging forecast for the month of June. There will be opportunities for precipitation. We need to make these work because the amount of heat building up from the south really concerns as we go into the critical months of July and August and the reproductive periods of both soybeans and corn and the lack of subsoil moisture is becoming very concerning, especially Senator State 80 and southward. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
1224, time to check in with sports. Here's Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, for the fourth straight year, Cleveland has dropped Game 1 of the NBA Finals to the Golden State Warriors. Golden State overcame a 51-point performance by LeBron James and knocked out the Cavs in overtime after a blunder by the Cavs cost them a shot to win the game in regulation. Nebraska's non-conference schedule got a little tougher today as the Huskers will travel to NCAA Sweet 16 qualifier Clemson as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The matchup between the Huskers and the Tigers will take place on Monday, November 26th at Little John Coliseum. Start time and TV information will be announced at a later date. The Tigers were very good this past year, winning 25 games. They reached the Sweet 16 before losing to Kansas. The NCAA baseball tournament is opening up today with play in 16 regionals. Of course, regional winners advance on to the Super Regionals, and the Final Eight end up at the CWS in Omaha, which starts up on June 16th. Now in the Big Ten, Ohio State will play South Carolina. Indiana faces Texas A&M. Purdue has a matchup with Houston and top seed of Minnesota. They will host a regional. They will begin things against Canisius. Carney once again is hosting the 60th annual Nebraska Shrine Bowl tomorrow at UNK. Coaching the North squad is Bellevue West head coach Michael Huffman. And his message to the team was pretty simple. But that's the first thing I said to both the coaching staff on Friday and the kids on Saturday. We are here to have a blast. Okay, these kids, they got it tougher than we do. So let's go out and have some fun, love on these little kids, and, and let's just have a great time on Saturday. Playing for the South squad is Zach Schlager McCook, and he says this has already been a great experience. I mean, it's special, honestly. That's the whole thing about it. Just starting with the team, and bond has been formed already with going to be there forever. I mean, we're already all great friends within these next couple days. And just with the Shriners and everything, it's incredible what they do for all these kids, and it's crazy to be out here and be able to represent Nebraska this way. Schlager will play football next year at Colorado State. Kickoff tomorrow is set for shortly after 2 o'clock Central Time. We will bring you that game along the Rural Radio Network. And K-State, September 8th matchup against Mississippi State will kick off at 11 a.m. on ESPN, while its September 15th contest against UT San Antonio will start at 3. That is a look at sports. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Nebraska Innovation Campus continues to see growth. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. A South Korean company has decided to base its U.S. headquarters at Nebraska Innovation Campus. Dan Duncan, Nebraska Innovation Campus Executive Director, joins me now to discuss this and more. Yeah, uh, we've, uh, we've been fortunate in that uh, we've been to South Korea twice uh, recruiting uh, companies, and uh, to date we've had three kind of land here. Uh, one of them uh, is the one we just announced, Sensei Omega 3. Um, it's uh, their U.S. Uh, in, uh, incorporated name. And uh, yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have them. Tell us about that company and what they create. So Sensei Omega-3 creates feed supplements uh, for livestock that increases uh, omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acid profiles in, in, in meat and uh, animal products and creating a, a, healthier, a healthier meat. Now this company, as you and I were discussing before we began recording, is established in South Korea and this is their way to kind of gain U.S. market share. Yeah, you know, a lot of times we talk to companies that are startups, they're not funded but well, but 
this company is actually feeding 125,000 head of dairy cows in South Korea. Their supplements are being fed to them right now. And to put that in perspective, that's twice as many dairy cows as there are in the state of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. What was their reason when you talked with them about why they wanted to be here at Nebraska Innovation Campus? So it, it, it's basically services. They want to come to a familiar place. They want to come to somewhere where they know uh, that others might congregate that are doing similar types of things, you know, versus going into an, a downtown and kind of being lost in the in the uh, the sea of of everybody else. And also, it re was really important to them to connect back to uh, our faculty experts to help help them uh, get their feed supplements, make sure they were approved by the FDA uh, to feed to uh, human food animals. It's always fascinating hearing the different reasons why companies choose to locate here at Nebraska Innovation Campus. Let's kind of extend this conversation out as we talk about NIC as a broad perspective. We look out the window here, and there's a new building coming. Yeah, uh, we're, we're excited. Um, uh, hopefully, by the end of August, it is construction, so uh, that's the, the date we've been given so far. Uh, but the RISE building uh, will be opening here on uh, Nebraska Innovation Campus, and we're real excited about uh, that because uh, uh, we're fully leased here in the space that we, we currently have, and That'll bring us to 460,000 square feet on the campus. It's exciting, but this is only a small bit of the big picture that is uh, NIC in 10, or excuse me, 20, 25 plus years. Yeah, yeah, so 460,000 square feet. Um, we anticipate uh, really being able to build two million, two and a half million uh, square feet uh, uh, before we start looking for other options here, here uh, adjacent to or, or uh, start uh, actually tearing down some of the buildings and going higher. <laughs> now the space that we referenced across the street where we're currently sitting, uh, are you working on getting that leased out now and how does that process work for folks that maybe aren't familiar with the startup culture and innovation centers like this? So the developer started that building uh, without any leases signed. Uh, we had an agreement with them to do that. Uh, and that's extremely important because if you're a business and there's a pre-leasing requirement to start a building, and I, I look at you and say, if you will sign a lease for 40,000 square feet, in two years you can get into that, into that building, you can see their eyes roll back <laughs> and they're on to the next thing. That's an eternity in today's business cycle. <laughs> you mentioned the space, the buildings we are at currently are all at capacity, especially upstairs. They've seen some tremendous uh, development over the past few months. You know, we have several fast-growing companies. The fastest growing, of course, is Spreetail. <laughs> their, their growth is uh, probably no other way to describe it other than explosive. <laughs> As you look at everything that's happening here at Nebraska Innovation Campus, how do you see it from your perspective as the executive director of your excitement level and how things are going? Well, you know, we've always been you know, really excited. Uh, uh, these types of developments are not easy. Uh, you always have your critics in any, any type of uh, major project like this. But in general, I think the way to characterize it is when my peers, people that do what I do around the country, uh, learn about what we're doing, come here. Uh, they're shocked that we've been able to make this much progress this quick. So uh, 
that's kind of the measuring stick I use, not not the internal one that says we've got to get do more, we have to do more. Yeah. Anything else you want to add while we have you here today? You know, I really appreciate the chance to be here. Appreciate you guys being here. You're doing a great job of t- helping tell the story of Innovation Campus and and uh, Nebraska as a whole. And uh, I think it's real important for people uh, around the state to uh, to understand, you know, the significance um, of uh, what we're doing here. That's Dan Duncan. He's the executive director of Nebraska Innovation Campus. Here, joining me in studio to talk about the recent developments on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. With the midday business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are solidly higher in midday trading on Wall Street after the government reported another strong month of hiring. Technology companies and banks are leading the way higher. Google's parent company Alphabet climbed 3.2 percent, and Bank of America rose 1.4 percent. President Donald Trump's chief economic advisor is brushing off concerns over escalating trade disputes with a host of U.S. allies. As nothing but a family quarrel, Larry Kudlow, director of the National Economic Council, tells reporters today he remains optimistic about the outcome of negotiations with Canada, Europe, and Mexico. In spite of recent escalations, he says, This is what I regard as a family quarrel, and the conversations are wide open and could well be solved in the months ahead as the conversations continue. The president and CEO of the U.S. Tire Manufacturers Association is also offering a response to the Trump administration's decision to impose steel and aluminum tariffs on Canada, the EU, and Mexico. And Forrestal Luke says the tariffs could undercut future domestic growth, limit the availability of high-quality steel, and impact American tire manufacturing jobs. On the subject of jobs, U.S. employers extended a streak of solid hiring in May, adding 223,000 jobs. President Trump says the latest jobs report has some great news. We have reached yet one more historic milestone with 3.8% unemployment just announced. Meanwhile, wage gains remain below the levels that are typical when the unemployment rate is this low. The price of a private lunch with billionaire investor Warren Buffett could set a record this year because bids have already surpassed $3 million. Buffett's annual online auction benefits the homeless in San Francisco. The auction closes this evening. The record set in 2012 and 2016 is $3.4 million. With the Midday Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. This is... Good afternoon, Dewey Nelson with a market report on the Rural Radio Network. Shortly before the close, rebound in the soybeans, corn still lower and wheat mostly lower. July corn, 391 and three quarters, September 401, both down two and a quarter. December corn, 412 and a quarter, down one and a half. July soybeans, 1021 and a quarter. August, 1026, both up two and three quarters. September 1029 and three quarters up two and a half and November 1037 and a half up three and a quarter. Chicago July wheat 524 and a quarter down two. September 541 and three quarters down one and a quarter. Kansas City July 540 and three quarters down one and three quarters. September 559 and a quarter down one and a half. Minneapolis July wheat 607 and three quarters down four and a quarter. September 616 and a quarter down three and a half. We settle lower in live and feeder cattle futures. The front months of lean hogs were a little bit higher. June live cattle settled 104.90, down 15. August 103.62, down 32. October 106.27, down 77. December 110.65, down 112. 
August feeder cattle settled 146.32, down 107. September 146.60, down 70. October 146.42, down 57. November 146.47, down 75. June lean hogs settled 77.60, up 97. July 78.80, up 75. August 77.52, up 50. Wall Street, the Dow up 195 at 24,611. But the Nasdaq's up 101 at 7,543. S&P 500 up 25 at 2,730. In 1935, Fontenelle Hybrids began with a commitment to focus on the success of farmers in the Western Corn Belt. Today, Fontenelle continues to be on the cutting edge, and we'd like you to grow with us. Becoming a Fontenelle dealer not only provides a chance to expand your business, but also allows you to become part of a great team by offering comprehensive dealer development and training, guidance from our extensive network of employees, and access to industry-leading innovative technology, you'll have a solid foundation to win. Find out more about becoming a Fontenelle dealer by calling 1-800-CR-YIELD. I'm Terry Haney, director of the Nebraska LEAD program. For 37 years, we have been about developing the problem solvers, decision makers, and spokespersons for the agriculture industry. Applications are now being accepted for Nebraska LEAD Group 38, which will begin in the fall of 2018. The application deadline is June 15th. If you're involved in production agriculture or an agriculturally related business and want to provide leadership for the future of agriculture, we invite you to check out the Nebraska LEAD program. For more information, call me at 402 472-6810. We wrap up the week, lower cattle futures. Let's talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, about that and the hogs as well. Joe? Yes, sir. Well, the uh, cattle tried to start out a little bit better, but uh, uh, things just didn't get started very well, and uh, we slid back. We're going to close lower, not uh, significantly lower wasn't quite the volatility that we've seen uh, during the, fir- the uh, uh, first part of the week. But uh, we did close lower, but good news is we closed higher for the week. Uh, cutouts were a little lower. Haven't heard of a lot of cattle traded. Uh, what has been trading is around 109, 110, which still isn't uh, what I think the trade was hoping to hear. But uh, overall, it wasn't... Uh, uh, terribly busy day today either uh, the feeders are under a little bit more pressure uh, we did have a triple digit loss out of the nearby August contract uh, mainly due I think to the fact that it's still a pretty good premium to the index even though the index has climbed here as of late but uh, uh, a little pressure there over in the hogs we're going to finish mixed uh, cash leading the way once again uh, higher and uh, that uh, really prompted uh, some pretty good buying. A lot of uh, spreading, uh, uh, buying the front, selling the back, and bull spreads. And uh, they did close higher for the week also. So in the good news, we all three uh, contracts uh, closing higher for the week. So. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Total cattle slaughter for this holiday-shortened week has been estimated at 483,000, 5,000 more than the same period one year ago. This is the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to Fridays in the Field, a weekly discussion with ag producers across the state. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. 
This summer, we will be chatting with Hemingford farmer Chris Cullen. He plants a variety of crops in the northern part of the Panhandle, from the staples like wheat and corn to rotational crops such as dry edible beans, sunflowers, sugar beets, and hay crops. May was a bit cool and wet for the Panhandle area, and Cullen says the moisture has been good for the wheat. You know, rain's always a welcome problem in drought, just because the, the rain only affects you the year that it's going on, but uh, it's been awesome for the wheat. I mean, our dryland wheat is probably as good a shape as it's been in in years. Uh, we've had some good crops the last couple of years because of the heavy spring rains, and and the prices come around quite a bit on wheat, so it looks like we have a, an awfully uh, a good potential crop for winter wheat, dryland, and irrigated this year. While the wheat experienced a boost from the moisture, it hasn't been all good for other crops. Uh, and it has hindered our uh, corn planting. Our sugar beets got in good shape because it went into strip-tilled ground behind wheat stubble. And uh, But our corn uh, under irrigated went in well. It's just that our dryland corn that went into no-till, uh, those stubbles uh, were pretty heavy. And, and uh, because we had a good wheat crop last year on the dryland wheat, so the stubbles are just a lot of heavy, conserving a lot of moisture. And then we haven't had really abundant rains. We've just had continuous rains after it dries out. We'd have another shower. So... The rain's been welcome, but it has tied up some of our uh, dryland planting on, on the corn crop. Cullen and his crew were out planting dryland corn before the Memorial Day weekend. They managed to get in more acres before the rains hit again on the weekend. Where some of the areas of the panhandle received up to two inches or more, Cullen says they didn't get as much, receiving well under an inch of rain. He says heading into June, the wheat would benefit from some more rains. Our wheat, it is ready for some rain. You know, we've had just little rains, and uh, but uh, it's it's, uh, it's with the stand that we have and the thickness that we have, it has been using quite a bit of moisture in a week. So, so we'll take rain any time we can get. But uh, we always have generally have a hot summer. So, uh, if we get decent weather at pollination, you know, our month of July is we do live in western Nebraska, so we're anticipating to dealing with uh, our heat and things like that. But uh, we do have a, probably a decent root system on this area, on the dryland wheat because we were dry going in. And uh, so I anticipate that it'll take uh, it'll take the heat pretty well, with the exception of that uh, it is an awfully thick crop. If we do run out of moisture early, it might uh, suffer a little bit, but we sure have a stand there that'll hold it. But the heat will be welcome, Cullen says, as long as it doesn't get to be too extreme for the other crops. At this point, we do just need some heat on some of these other crops to get the corn going and, and get some heat units going because a lot of it got planted into tough soils as far as moisture and uh, cool and damp and wet. But uh, what's planted in bare ground is doing awfully well, and the, and the no-till into the temperatures where the soil temperatures are a little cooler are uh, struggling a little bit. Cullen says one of the challenges with the moisture that they've had is they're going to have to be diligent in checking the wheat for rust with all the moisture in the air. As of yet, he says the fields look good and they are also on the lookout for pests in the wheat, such as the wheat stem sawfly. I talked to uh, Dr. Bradshaw at the Panhandle Station in Scotts Bluff, and uh, he has seen some infestations of sawflies on the on the weed around. Um, he had told me that our area of uh, Box Butte County was not, he hasn't seen the pressure as we had in the past at this point, and, uh, but he had seen some in uh, Cheyenne County in the, in the southern Panhandle of Nebraska. In order to get rid of the wheat stem sawfly, Cullen has increased his field sizes and rotations, which really helps. Cullen will also be planting dry edible beans in the first few weeks of June and then move into sunflowers. For more Fridays in the Field, check out the podcasts at kneb.com backslash ag hyphen podcasts or watch all the video interviews from this series on the ruralradio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shabella Guzman. Here. 
Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. By the looks of things, when we had an up-and-down move in corn, and uh, mostly in wheat, I should say, and a little bit in soybeans today, it looked like a market that was full of anxiety, John. Yeah, I, I think the the meeting taking place this weekend in China is on the forefront of everybody's mind, and uh, the comments earlier that uh, you know China is essentially backing away from all the framework commitments that were made just what, two weeks ago uh, when when they were here negotiating. So uh, it feels a little bit like we're back to square one. I'm trying to get myself to the place to can you know give myself a pep talk and say this is you know exactly where we were right before they announced that things were all better. So at this point, you know, kind of hoping is, is certainly not a strategy here, but I, I, you know, given the way the market just won't hold a rally, you can tell this is fun selling, and, you know, the, the forecasts are certainly warm, but they're kind of bringing some moisture out about this way uh, over the next two weeks. So at this point, given the high conditions, I think you're seeing the funds shed length, and, uh, you know, the, the, the deciding factor really, over the, the week period is going to be these trade discussions. Nothing has really changed as far as crop-wise between this Friday and last Friday. Still problems in South America, still problems really globally for the wheat markets with Russia, uh, Australia, Argentina, all having high prices. Uh, so in my opinion, I think you know I think the worst is essentially here. Uh, as far as corn goes, July is trading right on the 100-day moving average, exponential moving average. We have not broken that since February. So That'll be probably something you want to watch Monday morning if we open lower uh, and trade substantially down, you know, five cents lower. I think maybe we do run down and, and stick our head to, to, to th- all the way to 380. But I just don't think this thing is going to completely wash out. Uh, you know, I, in my opinion, these are buying opportunities. I've been kind of harping on clients to, to buy calls so that we can sell into them for later in the summer. That's still the plan. Still the plan. Okay, what about this uh, fund buying and fund selling. Usually fund buying occurs on the first day of a trading month, but since it's Friday, uh, all bets are off, huh? Eh, it could have been that. I, I, you know, I, I'd like to think the funds can move this thing. I, I really do. I, I, uh, I look at the bean trade, though, and you've, you've seen corn really lose gain. Uh, ground to beans, even as wheat has sold off, it's it's lost ground to uh, to wheat, and I think a bounce will come. Uh, volatility has really been the story in beans and, and wheat. We haven't really seen the the, the upward volatility yet uh, to to bring this back to unchanged. Uh, as far as wheat goes, seventy two cent range for May, and we were up two cents for the month. So I would be very prepared here to, to see this market trade back higher again. Thanks for the comments, John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.